We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of The Cast Next Door, where we love your mother's cookies. My name is Josh, and with me is Jim, who you last heard on Minute 41. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hey, Josh. Doing fine. Great. So while producer Darren is hosting in the regular set of episodes this week, he asked me to host this bonus episode, and Jim was nice enough to join me. So thank you for that. Uh, as I said, you were just on minute 41, and in that minute, we have the scene where JLo's character Claire calls her ex-husband, or estranged husband rather, Garrett, and thanks him for the flowers that he did not send. And like an idiot, he does not take credit, even though the card was unsigned, and he very easily could do that, but he chooses to act dumb uh, because he is, he doesn't know anything about the flowers. <laughs> and then J-Lo goes and confronts Noah because if Garrett didn't send flowers, it had to be Noah who did it. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was the minute that you discussed. Was there anything that you did not get to bring up during your previous minutes discussing this that you would like to bring up now? No, you know, I think we we pretty much covered our minute quite quite thoroughly. Okay. Well, one thing I did notice, I did rewatch that minute, and there's the the moment where she's on the couch and she's about to call Garrett, and obviously her uh, her friend Vicky is is kind of getting in the way and trying to get her to to be mean to Garrett uh, because she just doesn't like him. And for whatever reason, I I don't know why, but the room that they're in is I'm assuming supposed to be in the high school, and, and I, yeah, like a lounge room. Yeah, I think. the lounge room, but it looks like it looks like a weird banquet room. At a hotel or something <laughs> like they have these couches and there looks to be like a buffet line in the background and it's just this very strangely laid out room that would be in a high school like you don't expect that to be a teacher's lounge it really looks very bizarre and i think you guys even brought up in your minute that it's weird that a high school has you know a boxing a, ring a boxing ring yeah not exactly typical yeah so this this movie throughout is is full of bizarre sets and uh, creative choices. Uh, but speaking of the movie as a whole, so your first ever podcast was Minute 41. So this is technically your second ever podcast. So now you have the opportunity to talk all about this movie. So what did you think about The Boy Next Door the first time you watched it? It's certainly not a good movie. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not a terrible movie. It's fairly entertaining for basically a lifetime movie with recognizable actors and perhaps a slightly but not all that much higher budget but who doesn't like a good lifetime movie <laughs> it sort of reminds me of the glut of movies that of this type that you would see like in the late 90s early 2000s a lot of which would come to theaters but more of which would end up you know direct to video oh, yeah, directly or, to video or on the lifetime network or cinemax or or hbo or something like that and and it feels very much like a throwback to as i've been calling them sexy thrillers and it is a little a little bit i guess sort 
sort of safe in the regards of you know where it's going and there's nothing that is that much of a shocker about it no i mean once the, once the plot is in motion you know where it's going to end up and we do have checkoffs <laughs> i think that's the thing too like i feel like there is something here in this movie that could make the movie better if it were i mean i think you could keep the same cast even but if you had a slightly better script that did something a little bit more unique with it then i think that the movie could be more entertaining. I I feel like it hits those sort of standard cliches that these types of movies are expected to have. And it's it's doing cliches that movies 10 years ago were sort of making fun of. And yet they're still like, you know, front and center in this movie as if you're supposed to be sort of surprised or shocked by them. And I, I like I feel like, you know, you have this story that is, I think, attempting to be sort of subversive by having uh, a woman sleep with a student even though she doesn't know he's a student at that point and even though he's obviously an adult and they make it very clear that he's not (laughs) underage like the movie is sort of trying to kind of toe the line and it's it's just trying to get right on the edge of being sort of taboo or risque but not alienate anyone Yeah, it's not going to alienate anyone. It's not going to freak anyone out. But I think there could be a really interesting story in in a very different type of movie in uh, a film where a similar scenario takes place. And then the movie is where a you know a woman has sex with a, a younger man and then the movie is dealing with sort of the psychological fallout and and that kind of thing. And I think this movie's trying to do that, but it's more concerned with scares and turning Noah into a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, and turning and turning JLo's character into a damsel in distress than it is like dealing with, oh, th- this could you know, this could conceivably be a real situation that people might find themselves in. And let's explore that in an interesting way. And of course, this movie is not interested in that at all. It would be kind of interesting to see what they would do with with this movie if you either went in a serious direction, like I just mentioned, or went in a super crazy direction. Uh, because Noah, a lot of times, the, the actor playing Noah, it, Ryan Guzman, does seem to be in a different movie than anyone else. Like, he seems to be having a little bit more fun with the material. Yeah, he's certainly a little bit more over the top than most of the other actors. Yeah, and it, it feels like, did he did he do that on his own? Because it doesn't feel like that's a directorial choice, because otherwise, other actors would be bringing it as well, and they don't seem to be. And so I kind of wonder if he was just like, this movie feels like it should be crazier than it is, so <laughs> I'm just going to play it like that in my mind, and I'm going to go over the top, and hopefully it'll be it'll be awesome. So I, I, think he, I think he really brings something interesting to it, but I just don't feel like the rest of the movie is, <laughs> is on his level. Yes, point taken. There's a lot in it that's just, it's very familiar. Part of the appeal of, of bad movies, quote unquote, a lot of times uh, is just, you know, the, the weirdness of it. But when you sit down to actually watch them, they're terribly boring. And this isn't boring. And therefore, I'm, I'm kind of giving the movie a pass. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's a competently made movie. It's it's yes. certainly not. I mean, obviously, our last podcast was all about a uh, talking family animal movie, which is not competently made at all. So this movie is obviously a step up in that regard yes. of it, it is a perfectly capable film, but it also doesn't really do anything surprising or shocking. No, not at all. And that's why, it, again, the first thing that popped into my mind as I was watching it in the first like five minutes was this is a lifetime movie. I have seen this movie before <laughs> many times. Well, I, I love those. I love those first couple of minutes, the way that information is delivered in in like the first two or three minutes of the movie is just crazy because almost immediately you are thrust into this world and you have no idea what's going on and yet you're given all of this expository dialogue that is sort of supposed to clue you in and you're just like I don't know who any of these people are I don't know what this <laughs> world is about and the acting in that that opening is so flat and kind of unbelievable I mean some of the line deliveries are just atrocious in the those those early scenes and so it's like I, I speculated on this um, with with some other folks, but just like were those scenes longer at some point? Did they get reshot because uh, the the movie was too long, or because things weren't clear? And so the studio came in and said, "Reshoot these or do another take and and cram it all into a flashback." I was I was actually kind of expecting to see a lot more deleted scenes on the DVD. There was actually only a few. And I see why most of them were cut. I mean, they don't really add anything. I thought there would have been a lot more that might have actually clarified a few things here and there. Yeah. The, I mean, the movie is pretty, it's it's a pretty sort of standard thriller. And then, of course, the the craziness is ratcheted up a little bit as it gets closer to the end. And, of course, you know, there's the huge fight scene in the in the barn and and there's some pretty gnarly violence in in that scene which we don't really get throughout the rest of the movie so it is kind of i think that's maybe a little bit of a shocker yeah as you were saying it is very much one of those that is very sort of typical and and cliche and and speaking of cliche uh we'll get into something that you wanted to talk about there is a moment in this film where a cat jumps out and scares someone (laughs) and you wanted to talk about the cat so let's get into the cat uh well, I mean, Dexter is also in one of the uh, deleted scenes, by the way. So his performance was basically cut in half for the finished film. It's very <laughs> sad. I, yeah, on, on IMDb, what I was trying to just look for connections between different actors and what they may have been before and how they might help uh, connect connect up to the boy next door. And uh, at the bottom of the cast list on IMDb, it says Dexter the cat uncredited. I mean, poor Dexter. He can't even get credited in the boy next door. But this is not just some house cat who is lounging around and happened to get cast. This is a professional working cat. (laughs) First performance, 2011, played Liz's cat on Rules of Engagement. Quite a nice career here. We, We have Edwin's cat in Dark Skies. Uh, Rhonda's cat in a TV movie called Clear History. Uh, Marjorie's cat in Mom, the CBS sitcom. Okay, now we're up to 2014, and Dexter's career hits its apex here. We're on Bones. Dexter has his first character name. He is Skinner. Any actor will tell you, once you go from you know cop number two to having a name, that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> so... Bones, we are Skinner, and now I, I think I think Dexter must have alienated someone because he has three more credits. Next credit, boy next door, Vicky's cat, uncredited. We're back, no name. 
It gets worse, okay? <laughs> Next credit, me, him, her. Not even some character's name, possessive cat. It's simply cat. Just plain cat. I mean, come on. that That's just uncalled for. Next credit, Frank and Cindy, also 2015. Cat. <laughs> cat! What, yeah, what did, what did Dexter do on the set of Bones that basically made someone say, you'll never work in this town as a named character again? I'm assuming he made some uncalled for, uh, comment to, uh, what was, who's that? Uh, David Boreanaz? Yeah, he, he I think? scratched David Boreanaz during a scene yeah. or, or said a disparaging remark about, uh, Zoe Deschanel's, uh, sister. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, it's funny too because, Obviously, our our previous podcast was all about uh, a talking cat, and I don't think that cat had been in any other films. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> but but it's it's really interesting to see that this cat, who's in what maybe uh, half a second of the movie, like I mean, do we see? I don't even remember if we see the cat other than the moment where it jumps out and scares J Lo in the. In the finished film, I think that is the only moment you see Dexter. Again, he did film at least one more scene, which is in the deleted scenes. But that's so strange that <laughs> that, that cat maybe got hired for its following two roles based on its work in The Boy Next Door. They saw that jump, they saw that scare, and they were like, we need that cat for... <laughs> these these upcoming films, Dexter has cornered the market on random uh, characters' cats in TV series and in uh, films. And I mean, and going back to the the TV series Mom, it appears that that Dexter appears in at least three episodes. Yeah, recurring so role that's, here. I mean, that's pretty good, and and it's too bad that it doesn't appear that uh, maybe they replaced. Maybe something happened on on uh, the uh, set of Mom, and that's why Dexter is no longer on that show either. It's it's just a it's a downward spiral for Dexter. Unfortunately, here's hope he just claws his way back to a credited <laughs> performance. If we only see Dexter in that one moment where he jumps out and scares J-Lo. Uh, we don't see what happens to him after. So who knows? Maybe he's still alive, running around, and, and uh, that, would be, that would be interesting. He, he, they could have had an after credit sequence in uh, The Boy Next Door with, with Dexter being A-OK, like running away or yeah. something, or licking uh, or eating, <laughs> eating Vicky's face. Um, I have to admit, I, I didn't sit through the entire credit sequence uh of the film i don't know if you noticed that there's lots of like clips from the movie like going by uh-huh. behind the credits at the end they should have had a little tag in which dexter jumps back and we make sure that he's okay but <laughs> yeah I, I don't think they did that again i didn't make it through to the entire end perhaps the filmmakers had enough foresight to do that well speaking of the end uh one thing that i have been talking with with others about is potential sequels to the boy next door so as we know we don't really get the we don't really get a setup for a possible sequel in the boy next door which is kind of disappointing i always like when my thrillers add a little bit of a sting in there of oh the guy got away or oh he's not really dead or oh there could be a chance for a for a sequel and unfortunately they did not do that in the boy next door but if you were to write a boy next door sequel or if you were to be interested in watching one what would you hope that a sequel would have well i would hope that the spirit of noah lives on in kevin and 
<laughs> Kevin goes on to uh, commit a series of murders. <laughs> I mean, one can only hope. That would be pretty pretty interesting, actually. I would be okay with that. It might be a virus. I don't, I don't know. We need to dream big here. <laughs> I would be okay with the series sort of jumping into supernatural territory uh, and giving us something a little different, kind of like the urban legend movies or the I Know What You Did Last Summer series, where it seems fairly grounded in reality for the first uh, couple installments. And then it just jumps right into ghost territory. So mm. I think, you know, having having Noah actually still be alive uh, in the sequel, and then he, you know, of course he would die at the end of that one, and then become a ghost, or he would possess Kevin, um, or, or some variation thereof. Or they could go in the uh, Wild Things direction, where it's essentially, or the Marine even, uh, where it's essentially new actors, but basically the same storyline over and right. over again and they could just repeat that ad nauseum for five or six movies that all went direct to video or direct to netflix or or something like that i think that would be another interesting way to do it because you've already got that name recognition and you could uh you could definitely get some more out of that i think how about a musical i mean we have we have j-lo other yeah we know what she's capable other folks have brought that up Kristen chenoweth can sing as well so exactly with her uh, singing ghost who doesn't like a singing ghost (laughs) i would totally be okay with that that would be the boy next door part two the singing ghost (laughs) and Kristen chenoweth is sort of like j-lo's guardian angel pestering her and trying to set her up on dates that obviously will not go well because apparently Vicky does not have her friend's best interest in mind when she sets her up on blind dates. Well, forget a sequel. How about a prequel explaining why those two women are friends when Vicky is a terrible friend? (laughs) Yeah. She's the worst. Yeah, I would totally be down with that. That is an unsolved mystery. Yeah, throughout this movie, Vicky does not seem to really think that highly of of JLo's decision making and oh, also God, doesn't no. doesn't seem to want her to be happy. I mean, did Garrett say something to Vicky offhandedly that sort of sort of offended her or pissed her off and so now she's just oh, he's always he's forever on my shit list and I'm never <laughs> going to forgive this guy. And so she does not want uh, Claire to get back with Garrett because well, he said this thing to me that one time and I am totally not happy. <laughs> so yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about in regards to the movie? Oh boy, no, I think we've beaten this one to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing... And, and jabbed it in the eye with an empty <laughs> Exactly. Well, one thing I would like to bring up is uh, your, as I mentioned earlier, your previous appearance on, on the show on Minute 41 was also your first podcast ever. So one thing that I've been talking about in my bonus episodes is sort of what was it like, your first uh, podcasting experience? Uh, were you nervous? What did you think? Uh, what did you think going into it? First of all, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I mean, when I'm in my car, I would say 80% of the time I'm listening to one podcast or or another. So I'm a big fan of the genre in general. I had hoped to be involved in the uh, talking cast podcast, but schedule wise, it didn't work out. And then when this came about, I, I thought, Hey, what the heck? Yeah, I was a little nervous. I'm, I, 
I have not, I, I, I have done a little acting uh, community theater. So I have some experience like realizing people are listening to me, but playing a part and actually just talking off the top of your head on a podcast is very different. So well, yeah, I was a little bit nervous going into it. I was involved in, in a few of the episodes of a talking cast and then quite a few of this one as well. And it is, it is very weird at first knowing that what you're saying is going to be heard by a, a number of people who knows how many, but uh, we've had some pretty decent success with these podcasts. So it's been nice to know that uh, it's reaching people, but it is kind of weird to know that what you're saying is going to be out there for people to listen to again and again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, someone can go to, you know, iTunes and download this or go to the website and listen on SoundCloud or wherever. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, it's, it's the future, man. I think at one point or another, everyone will probably have their own podcast. So <laughs> This is the way that we will communicate from here on out. I'm hoping uh, the next season of Serial is like not about my murder or something. That's the, <laughs> the only thing that I'm not looking forward to. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for joining me today for this bonus episode. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, if you feel like it, you could follow me on Twitter. I'm at other Jim Donahue. All right, fantastic. Well, again, thank you very much for being my guest, and thank you out there for listening to this bonus episode of the Cast Next Door, where we love your mother's cookies. We will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. This is a first edition?